Hello and welcome back to the Bible Companion series with P.H. Thompson. This is Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, the feast of the Passover initiated, the tenth plague announced. In preparation for the tenth and final plague on Egypt, which will precipitate Pharaoh's expulsion of Israel from his country, God tells Moses and Aaron, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. A new nation and a new life would also have a new calendar. This was called Abib, which occurred in March-April. Later, after the Babylonian captivity, this month would be called Nisan. Up to this point, the children of Israel have not been required to do anything to avoid the plagues, but now they moved to a new level of active obedience. They are given strict instructions to follow so that they do not feel the judgment of this last plague sent by the Lord. Then the instructions, tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire, with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It will coincide with the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. God says, On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So God will both pass through in judgment and pass over in mercy. Then we are told, they are told which animals to select, when to kill it, how to eat it, what to wear when eating it, what to do with the blood and leftovers, and what it signified. It was for their protection. They were not to eat it raw, which was associated with pagan rituals. This final plague, as the others, was against the gods of Egypt. Pharaoh and the other gods of Egypt were powerless to prevent or reverse this horrible plague. Many of their gods were represented by and protected by animals, but they were impotent when God chose to plague them. Verses 14 through 20, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Furthermore, he said, this is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. 
On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses, for whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly, and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. This Passover event was within the week of another feast called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. They were to remove all yeast or leaven from their houses. The haste involved in their departure would be signified by the inability to allow their bread dough to rise. Yeast is also a symbol of sin, which permeates through the whole person and culture. They were to do no work, showing their inability to assist in their salvation. God would do it all. God says, Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month you are to eat bread made without yeast, from the evening of the fourteenth day until the evening of the twenty-first day. For seven days no yeast is to be found in your houses, and anyone, whether foreigner or native-born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. So God refers to them as divisions of his army, even though they were unarmed slaves. This is to be a celebration for generations to come. It would apply to them and any foreigners who lived with them. Provision was made from the beginning to include non-Israelites in the festivals. It was deadly serious. Anyone not complying would be cut off from the congregation of Israel. In some places this phrase refers to death. In others, banishment or excommunication. Scripture refers to 26 different verses citing 19 circumstances in which a person could be cut off. These include violating the Sabbath, consuming blood, or practicing child sacrifice as part of idolatry. Each one of these must be examined in its context. Verses 21 through 28, Moses and Aaron pass on the instructions. Moses and Aaron waste no time in relaying the instructions to the elders of Israel. They are told to go at once to select the animals for their families and slaughter the Passover lamb. They are to use a bouquet of hyssop, dip it in the blood they've collected in the basin, and put it on the top and both sides of the doorframe. This is an archway. Then they are told to remain in their houses all night. Because when the Lord will go through the land and strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that place, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter their homes to strike them down. The destroyer in this case is probably the angel of the Lord, as in 2 Samuel 14.26, during the plague after David's unlawful census, and in, first, and in Isaiah 37.36, when God destroyed 180,000 Assyrian soldiers overnight. They were told to follow these instructions as a lasting ordinance for them and their descendants. All aspects except the application of blood are followed today. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. They weren't just escaping slavery, they were going to their own country, promised by God to their ancestors. God anticipated that their children would one day ask the meaning of this ceremony. Later, the youngest child in the family would ask their father the question which would elicit the answer, It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, 
who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Hearing how God would spare them from this horrific plague, the people bowed down and worshipped. They had done this when they first heard how God had seen their affliction and promised to help them. Then they quickly obeyed the commands of the Lord through Moses and Aaron. These are the two aspects of faith, trust and belief in God's word, and obedience to his commands. Verses 29 and 30, the tenth plague, death of the firstborn. Then, just as God threatened, so he did. At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. God's judgments don't discriminate according to social standing. All stand on the same level. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. They had killed Israelite children, now God killed Egyptian children. This was widespread, affecting everyone in Egypt. Imagine the cries of agony that night. They would be mourning for the dead and realizing the impotence of their own gods against the God of Israel. This mourning of the Egyptians was prefigured in the book of Genesis as Israel's family carried his body back to Canaan for burial. The people who saw them assumed that they were all Egyptians and when they saw their lamentation they called the place the mourning of Egypt. Now Egypt was again mourning as Israel left. Verses 31 through 36, Pharaoh expels the Israelites. Pharaoh finally gives up. He doesn't even wait until morning, but summons Moses and Aaron during the night. He has had enough of them. He says, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go, and bless me also. This time it is an unconditional surrender. No more conditions, no more negotiations. All the people can go, along with their flocks and herds, for the purpose of worshipping the Lord. God had told him, let my people go. Now he responds, leave my people. God had said Pharaoh would eventually drive them out. He also adds the request that they bless him as well. This does not mean he was repentant, just that he realized that Israel's God was superior to their gods. The Egyptian citizens also urged the people to hurry and leave the country. They had seen how God killed their firstborn and feared they would all die. To indicate their hasty departure, the people took their bread dough, which had no yeast, and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs, wrapped in clothing. They were already... They had already followed Moses' instructions and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. This response by the Egyptians was supernatural and fulfilled God's word. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. This idea of plundering gives an image of a victorious army taking spoils from their defeated enemies. God refers to the Israelites as his army, and now he has given them the spoils of war. Verses 37 to 42, the Exodus begins. Then were given their starting point of their journey, Ramses. This was one of the cities the Israelite slaves had built for Pharaoh. Their first stop was Succoth. While there will be another Succoth east of the Jordan, this one was near Egypt. 
A later, more complete itinerary listing all their camping stops recorded by Moses is in Numbers 33. It says the Israelites left Ramses and camped at Succoth. At the beginning of their journey, there were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Assuming uh, one wife and a minimum of two children, that brings the number to over two million. The children of Israel had grown greatly since the 70 people who arrived in Egypt. Um, but others came with them. Many other people went up with them, including Egyptians, who have been convinced of the superiority of Israel's God and some other nationalities as well. And some of these people would later cause trouble. Numbers 11.4 They also took large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. This was because the animals of the Israelites were untouched by the plagues of the pestilence, hail, and death of the firstborn. Along the way, with the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Centuries earlier, God had told Abraham his descendants would be enslaved in a foreign country for 400 years. Genesis 15:13. We're told now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. This was the year 1445 BC. Paul mentions the giving of the law 430 years after the promise to Abraham. Solomon would begin building the temple another 480 years after they left Egypt in 966 BC. We see this in 1 Kings 6.1. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. The idea of keeping vigil is to stay awake when you're normally asleep in order to watch and pray. Because God watched over them overnight, in future they were to keep vigil during this ordinance. While they were happy to be leaving Egypt and slavery behind, they didn't leave rejoicing because they could still hear the Egyptians mourning their dead. It was a solemn observance. They knew they were no less deserving of the judgment of God than the Egyptians. It was only because of the mercy of God that he passed over them. Moses reminds them of this event in Numbers 33, 3 and 4. The Israelites set out from Ramses on the 15th day of the first month, the day after the Passover. They marched out defiantly in full view of all the Egyptians who were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord brought judgment on their gods. The book of Hebrews mentions the faith of Moses in spite of the death threats by Pharaoh. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Hebrews 11.27 He didn't fear Pharaoh whom he could see because he saw him who was invisible, God. So why fear a king when you know the king of kings? Verses 43-51 to 51, Passover Restrictions for future reference, God gives Moses and Aaron further instructions regarding the Passover that they are to pass on to the Israelites. These are the regulations for the Passover meal. No foreigner may eat of it. Any slave you have bought may eat of it after you have circumcised him, but a temporary resident or a hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. 
do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native-born and to the foreigner residing among you. The Israelites obeyed, and God faithfully brought them out of Egypt by their divisions, just as he said. This early obedience would be contrasted by their later disobedience in the very near future. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads do we find in this chapter? So many. This plague punished unbelievers and rescued believers. Jesus' death defeated his enemies and saved his people. He will ultimately save his people when he pours out judgment on the world. The Passover lamb was to be without blemish. Jesus is without blemish, sinless. They were to care for it for a few days so they could inspect it properly to make sure it was without blemish. Jesus was crucified in the prime of his life after people could witness his whole life and specifically his final three years of public ministry. The lamb was to be fully consumed. He really died. We feed on him by faith. The lamb was to be killed at twilight. Twilight was known as between two evenings, usually before sunset. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, said it was usually killed at 3 p.m., the same time that Jesus died on the cross on the Passover. The lamb's bones were not to be broken. Jesus' bones weren't broken, unlike the other two who were crucified with him to hasten their death. To show he fulfilled scripture, it points back to the instructions about the Passover lamb, but now it applies specifically to Jesus. It was to be killed and roasted. Jesus suffered and was executed. It was to be eaten completely that night and none left over. We are to turn to Christ now while it is still day, before it is too late. The lamb was killed as a substitute and its blood protected those under its shelter. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His death was our life. He is our substitute, therefore we need not fear death and judgment. They were to apply the blood to the doorposts and lintel, or crossbeam over their door, with a brush of hyssop. Jesus' blood was on the crossbeam of the cross he carried on his shoulders. We are to openly confess Christ in faith. They were to remain inside the house all night to be safe. We are safe if we are in Christ. Only those in the covenant family of faith, circumcised, could take part. We are circumcised in heart, regenerated, born again, and are part of the family of faith. It was to be eaten with bitter herbs to remind them of their bitter slavery in Egypt. Jesus redeemed his people from our bitter slavery to sin. At the Lord's Supper, we remember what our sins cost God, the death of his Son. It was eaten with unleavened bread. Leaven represents sin. We have been set free, redeemed from our slavery to sin. Therefore, we must remove sin from our lives. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were not to do any work. We cannot add to our salvation by our works. They were to eat wearing their traveling clothes, their sandals, and a walking stick in hand, ready to leave at a moment's notice. We are to hold loosely to this world, ready to depart when we are called to leave.
they were to remain indoors under the protection of the blood to be safe. If we leave the protection of the blood of Christ, there is no other offering for sin that can protect us. They were to remember this event and pass on the story of what God has done for them to the next generation. We are to celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember what he did to rescue us, and we are to teach our children. The Passover marks the beginning of the nation of Israel. The death of Christ marks the establishment of the church. The Passover, celebrated each year, looked backward to their liberation from Egypt and looked forward to the ultimate Lamb of God who was our substitute. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we look back to Jesus' crucifixion and forward to the wedding supper of the Lamb. The Israelites were no less guilty before God and deserving of death and judgment, and their salvation was not a result of their righteousness, but the difference was the grace of God. Christians are no less guilty before God and deserving of death and judgment, but the difference is the grace of God. The Egyptians cried and mourned when they were judged. When God judges sinners, they will cry out because of the punishment. The Passover feast, remembered each year, was a reminder of the covenant God made with them. While celebrating the Passover, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper and a new covenant. This connected the old rite with the new and united Old Testament covenant believers with New Testament covenant believers. The blood was a sign. The cup of the new covenant in Jesus' blood was a sign of what he was about to do. When God saw the blood, he passed over them. When God sees the blood of Jesus applied to us, we are hidden in him and he passes over us for judgment. To follow these instructions may have seemed foolish, but they demonstrated faith in the word of God. The gospel seems like foolishness to the unsaved, but to believe it demonstrates faith in the word of God. The Passover was to be an ordinance forever. As long as we live, we continue in faith, and we keep the ordinance of the Lord's Supper to remember his death until he comes, and we celebrate this redemption forever. Gentiles who were circumcised were able to partake of the Passover meal. This was an early show of favor to the Gentiles and a picture of the universal gospel. All peoples can take part in the Lord's Supper if they are circumcised in heart or repentant. The mixed multitude that left Egypt with the Israelites included true believers and hypocrites. Within the church there are true believers and hypocrites. This promise was fulfilled hundreds of years after it had been given. Jesus came thousands of years after he was promised. Though it hasn't happened yet, we know that Jesus will return. Continue listening for Exodus chapter 13. May God bless the study of his word.